everyone, this is Arazu and welcome back to another episode of Arazu R Podcast. So this is the last episode of 2020 and only just few years left to the new year. What a year it was. I know it was so crazy in many ways for so many of us. And it has been so tough. But I really do hope that this glimpse of dark time where things slow down, if has done nothing in favor to us, at least make us all stronger and more grateful for all the blessings that we have. And I really do hope that the new year brings so much more joy, laughter and beautiful things to all of us. And once again, I want to say a massive thank you to all of you for helping me to launch this podcast on 2020, although it was like a very crazy year. So I'm going to end this year with a lovely guest, Portlin Tagavi. She's a half Persian, half African American character designer, storyboard artist and filmmaker. She has worked in companies such as Paramount, Fox, DreamWorks TV, and currently she's at Netflix. In this episode, we're going to talk about Portland's mixed background culture and how it affected on her artworks and her journey to discover her Persian heritage. She gives some great tips on storyboarding and ways of storytelling in general and how it leads her to take a role as a director to make her own short movies. We also talk about the differences and similarities between making a live action and animation movie and we touch on important subjects such as bringing body positivity into her work, supporting Black Lives Matters with her art and being more open about female experiences, stories with her graduation short called Red Handed. You can also hear her journey about switching to live action movies and making her latest comedy short film called They Won't Last, which has been recognized by many festivals such as Amy Awards and she also won a BAFTA for students. This is a very insightful episode and we touch on very important subject and I really do hope that you enjoy this podcast as much as I do. So here we go with Portlin Tagavi. Hello Portlin, so glad to have you here with me today. Hi, it's so great to be here. Actually, I wanted to ask, how do you how do you pronounce your name? It's, it's Arezu. 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 That's so beautiful. Yes. It means wish in Persian, so you gotta know it. <laughs> <laughs> do you do you, in terms of names? Like, is it a word that someone would use in a sentence, like as a word, or is it just like yes, a name? yes, yes? Oh, that's yes. so cool. It's, it's like when you want, for example, um, give everyone best wishes or something like that. You use my name, so. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, thank you, though. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. And then um, your last name is also really beautiful. Thank you so much. It's the first time I'm hearing that, I guess. Uh, other than <laughs> that, it's Ramazani also. It's, a, it's almost like an Arabic, I guess, rather than a Persian. But um, yeah, I mean, one of my friends who was Italian once told me that your name um, sounds like a pizza. So I took it as a compliment <laughs> as well. It should be cool that like Ramazzani will be a pizza. <laughs> so I don't mind. <laughs> I can see that. I think it's definitely the Z sounds. Yeah, I guess so. It's, it's for Italians. It's like pizza. So, <laughs> but thank you for your compliment. And your family name is actually Tagavi. For all the foreigners who cannot pronounce that, I'm going to tell you all that's Tagavi. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway i usually start with like an introduction so would you like to tell me a little bit about your uh background because you are raised and born in a mixed culture and uh, obviously um your dad is persian so um i guess your other half is uh, african-american am i right yeah my so i actually um my mom is like creole black from louisiana houston texas area and i was raised by that side of my family and like not really raised at all from by the persian side of my family you don't know much about like the persian culture no i don't i feel like i feel (laughs) both like I have no control over this like I couldn't help it but also I like feel bad because the funny thing is like I'm hanging out with like the black side of my family and I don't really look like them that much like I look like if you look if you squint you're like I see it but then like like my Iranian side of the family um I recently 
reconnected with them. They all live in LA and I got to like, kind of like re-meet them in my twenties. And I look just like everybody. I look, <laughs> I look just like everyone. And they're all speaking yeah. in Farsi. And like, I went to a Persian new year. I didn't even know that there was a Persian new year. And they're oh like, they're like Portland June. And I'm like, what does this mean? Oh, that's so sweet. Okay. I, I, I guess now that you moved to LA, right? So you got to hang out with your Persian side more these days. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I actually, okay. I did get to meet like, uh, a lot of cousins that I didn't know I even had and uh, spend some time with family and, and go out. It's been nice. Yeah. <laughs> it reminds me of Kung Fu Panda 3 when he found the other pandas, you know? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just find your family members, which is really nice. So did you try Persian food at all? Oh, yeah, yeah. I love, uh, is the proper way to say it kebab? Yes, kebab, yeah. Kebab, kebab. yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I had kebab, and um, I love kebab. And yeah, okay. um, there's, this place in, um, there's this place in LA that's called Rafi's. It's, like, amazing. It's the best Persian food I've ever had. And I was, like, I discovered, like, oh, you put cherries and rice, like, dried cherries. <laughs> what is this? Or, like, um, yogurt drink. Like, I, w- I remember going when I, when I first... What is it called? Doog. Doog? <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm gonna I can't say that word. <laughs> okay, you okay, we take it as yogurt drink, that's all right. But that's but I'm I'm really glad that you kinda are trying to figure out your other side, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, you have a lot to discover, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I even like on my own, I've been looking into like just historical Persia just to like what is the history of this other half of me that I come from and I was just like I looked so deep that I found like religions like Zoroastrianism and I was like there uh-huh. what, what is Zoroastrianism and it's just like it's been very fascinating or like um there are these videos I watched about how uh like Persian words are like the oldest language that uh, existed mm-hmm. in Persia and like how that's trickled down into like modern day Farsi as well as like yeah. other like Arabic languages and even like Indian languages, which is like nice. this is me being a nerd about like learning who I am. <laughs> which is great. I'm glad you finally discovered it. <laughs> but it's really lovely to actually know about uh the um you know like New Year or we have a lot of like celebration that I, I, I personally I, I just think they're so beautiful. I mean even after all these years it's like we, we do celebrate the longest night of the year like Shabayaldo we say it. So it's like the um yeah the eve of uh, uh winter so yeah this is really cool actually we eat a lot and, and all sort of celebrations too we eat a lot of candies nuts fruits so yeah it includes a lot of eating and just being happy and festive <laughs> oh that's so nice i remember when yeah. i when i went to the persian new year it was like the first time i'd seen just like like it was just an entire in my family it's just like an entire like row of tables and all the food is different, but the same. <laughs> no, that's like the typical Persian way to uh, when they're just you have a guest, you just put so many different foods for different like with different flavors for different people. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you you will get used to it. Just hang out with your um, uh, Persian side in LA, so <laughs> you, you'll understand. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah, so um, how comes you just get into art? Was that like something you wanted to do as a kid or you, you were just freely to um, choose your major or something like that? Or Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when I was three, I started, I think I had been drawn as long as I can remember. Like, Ooh, I, okay. I, I don't, yeah, I don't think there was ever a time where I didn't draw. So I've just been drawing forever. Um, I used to draw, like my mom had a bunch of books and I would just like, pull out like her encyclopedias and just draw on them as if they were my own sketchbook or something. I used to, in kindergarten and like preschool, I used to draw, I would do this thing that I'm really proud of actually. I would draw a face on a piece of like white uh, printer paper. I'd be like, this Ooh. is the face. And then I would draw the back of the head on another piece of computer paper and like staple it together and shove it with like um, tissue paper or uh, just tissues. And I'd be like, it's a doll. And I'd like do the rest of the body. So I was like, I've always been like into 
the arts in general. Yeah. And um, actually, funny, funny enough, when I was uh, about like 10 or 11, I thought I wanted to be an actress. So Ooh. I was like, I want to be an actress. I'm going to join the theater company uh, or the theater club at our school. And I did theater for a bit. And then I moved to Houston with my mom. And my mom is actually one of 16 kids. And yeah, very big family. Uh, we, we originally <laughs> lived in Chicago and we moved down to Houston where my mom's from. And uh, there's this arts high school there that it's called the High School for the Performing and Visual Arts. Okay. And I applied, I got in and I I wanted to apply for theater, but I applied for art and then I got in for art and they had an animation program. Not like my animation program, I mean, like they had an anima- animation flash class. I once. see, I see. And I loved it. And I had actually, moving back when I was six years old, I watched Pocahontas. And they had that, like, behind the scenes. And Glenn Keane is, like, I know, right? Yeah. He was, like, not charcoals. um, You're charcoals, right? Yeah, yeah, it was charcoal. Because I know know what what are you talking about. I I actually got into animation um, because of Glenn Keane, too. So shout out to him. <laughs> I feel like that's like most people's origin stories. Like I saw Glenn Keane do anything and I was inspired. <laughs> so when I was six, I actually had wanted to be an animator and I didn't understand that like I didn't understand how animation worked. I just thought you have to draw the same character twice, but they have <laughs> to look the same. So I like didn't know that there was like a level of tracing that was happening. So I like took a piece of paper, drew a princess or something. And then I was like, all right, set it to, to the side. I'm going to grab another piece of paper and I'm going to do the exact same thing. All right, Portland, let's do this. And I couldn't wow. do it. I couldn't you're, do it. Because I was sick. Yeah, you just made things more difficult for yourself. <laughs> yeah. And I think at that point I was like, I'll never be an animator. And so I just kind of gave up on that. And then when I went to school again and t- took an animation class, I was like, no, it's been reignited. I want to do this. This is amazing. And uh, from that point on, I, you know, looked into animation schools and I had a friend who was like, oh, you got to go to CalArts. I was like, what is that? And uh. Uh, then I, and I, cause I, I just found Ringling and I was like, oh, Ringling's cool. And Ringling's cool. But I wanted to do 2D animation cause I was like a 2D person. Mm-hmm. And I found CalArts, uh, applied, somehow got in. And then I went back in 2010. I was a first, I was a first year and I didn't know anything about animation really. There were kids there that were like, oh, you, this, this milk call drawing is amazing. And I was like, who's milk call? I or see. Like, they were, yeah. they were just geeking out about uh, their animation knowledge and you were like, they're like, what, what? I didn't know <laughs> like, anything. Like a confused John Travolta. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I was, I was basically John Travolta from Pulp Fiction, like wandering <laughs> around CalArts being like, what's <laughs> happening? But it was really cool. I learned so much. Um, but I think the, the, the biggest thing for me was um, I, I had always wanted to direct. And even in high school, when I said I wanted to do animation, my intention was to direct. Mm-hmm. And so when I, the nice thing about CalArts is that each year you essentially solo, like, direct. I mean, it's funny mm-hmm. to call it directing because you are directing the film like you are the direction of the film is yours but you're not directing yeah. anyone in particular besides like maybe you're like collaborating you you actually you have to make each year you have to make your own movie and you're directing it yourself and working on it as well and basically doing everything yourself right yes so yeah you, you it doesn't mean that you can't have help there's no like rules but like uh-huh. There's this huge, and I don't know if it's the same way now, because I actually teach at CalArts now, and it seems pretty similar, but there's like this like ego in having done it all <laughs> yourself. So people yeah. tend to like just do it all themselves until they can't. But <laughs> you essentially direct your own short, and there's about like 160 students, I think. And so you mm-hmm. have like 160 short films every year. And that wow. was the great thing about it was that you got to be a director each year for four years and you mm-hmm. got to make your own film each year for four years, which is something that doesn't really happen once you do leave and like work in the industry. So yeah. that was awesome. I got a lot of really great experience from that. And, but I, um, 
but I knew that I wanted to direct and I even knew that I wanted to move from animation to live action at some point. Okay. So, um, cause I, I think the thing is there was like a lot of directors who like Brad Bird and, mm-hmm. or, uh, Andrew Stanton mm-hmm. who, you know, had done both. And I was like, well, this is great. This is great that, like, you can be able to tell the stories that you want to tell in animation. You could tell the stories that you want to tell in live action. So from that point, I worked. I worked. I got a, I got a job at Paramount as a character designer, working on a feature, which is really crazy that that happened. And then um, from there, I just kind of realized I wanted to go back to school. And from that point on, I worked at, like, various different places, but, like, all the while wanting to apply to AFI. And Mm -hmm. I worked at like Jim Henson, I worked at uh, DreamWorks Television, and then I actually applied for AFI, didn't think I'd get in, I actually applied with an animated film. Oh, cool. And then I got in, and so the last like two years I was studying live action, and Mm -hmm. I then made a bunch of shorts in live action, and it's just been really awesome to kind of see like, because now I'm working back at Netflix as a story Mm -hmm. artist, and the stuff that I learned studying live action has been so informative for me as a board artist as well. So it's just really, it's been a really interesting journey, kind of like every, every like year peeling the layer back on Mm -hmm. uh, just storytelling in general and like how film is like, it's funny that animation has to be considered a separate thing. It's, Mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. all one thing. Yeah, I see. Um, Actually, I wanted to go back. So uh, by the the time you were um, studying, did you realize that you mostly, I mean, what I understood from your story is that you actually wanted to direct and tell your own story. So no matter if it's going to be in the form of animation or live action movie. So um, that is that why you um, uh, find storyboarding more fascinating somehow because you're able to um tell stories in that way like oh um, yeah i mean the the reason i even became a storyboard artist was as a way to become a director because Mm -hmm. the thing is i was in my second year at cal arts and we had this class called film workshop and our teacher asked us like what do you want to do and Mm -hmm. a lot of people said you know i want to be a board artist i want to be a character designer i want to be a layout artist this stuff and i said director and he was like well when you graduate do you think that you're just going to get a job as a director? Mm -hmm, Yeah. Oh, no, that makes sense. No. He's like, and what career route do you think they pick directors from? And I was like, story. And he was like, yeah. Yeah. So I actually up until that point had been doing character design stuff because I character design is fun. But um, yeah. At that point, I was like, all right, I got to get into story. And I just fell in love with it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's so... I think if you don't know anything about story, visual storytelling, it just seems like you're making a film. Like, you're just, like, visualizing what would be on camera. But the thing about storyboarding and just, like, directing in general and crafting the visual style of something is that it's just all this subtextual... Like, you're telling the story in a way that is so visceral and in its visuals that the audience doesn't even know that you're telling them the story that way. Mm. They're just feeling the story, right? Like, like when I, when I sing a song, you know, like when, when anyone sings a song and it like the, like there's a crescendo or there's like all of these emotional layers to it. The vocal, the vocals might be like, I love you. You're the one, but like you're (laughs) feeling something because of the melody of the way that it's yeah so I remember I didn't know that and then once I started studying and I I learned that I was like oh wow this is like poetry this is so cool I see uh do you think like for people who want to get into um I mean become a storyboard artist is it a good way to for example try to tell one story in different genres because like what you said for example the lyrics of the song can say something but if you the melody or um the song is something else it can uh, convey a different feeling so do you think it's a good like practice to for example have a story and try to say it I mean uh, draw it and um, I don't know like storyboard it in different genres like comedy drama horror or I mean is that is it is that even one of the practices that people do as a storyboard artist I mean I think that um, could be an interesting exercise um it would be did more I just effective. improvise <laughs> Yeah, and I was like, cool, okay. a cool idea. I thought I thought they teach it at school, all right. 
Yeah, no, uh, I've, I've, I'm sure that someone's done that before. My yeah. I think first years and my focus is more on like just getting them acquainted with what is storytelling. Mm-hmm. I think like just even beyond the visual storytelling, there's such an art to crafting the, you know, order of, of how a story is revealed. So like, mm-hmm. I mean, with an, ex- with an exercise like this, like this is actually a really cool exercise, but I think the important thing is like, what are you learning from this exercise? And I think the thing that someone would learn is that there are different visual languages for different mm-hmm. types of, like there's different types of pacing and editing for different types mm-hmm. of stories. There's different types of visual language for different types of stories. You like, what is the tonality of what you're trying to say? Is it a comedy? Mm-hmm. How is it that the, you know, the acting changes if it's a comedy versus, you know, if it's a drama? How do, how do the shots change? Like, if something mm-hmm. is a, a comedy, you tend to have, like, a flatter staging or something. And I think that would be more of just, like, an exercise in seeing how something can change just based on the way that you tell it, which is cool. But it's not, it's, it's more like... I feel like that would be more like a fun exercise to reacquaint yourself with stuff that you hopefully maybe have learned or already started noticing. Mm -hmm, But I like it. That's actually really fun. (laughs) I see. So, and and what what are like the similarities that you would say that is in animation and also um, in live action movies? Because uh, learning about like composition, even like animation, people study a lot from movies. Like they studies. like the masterpieces in um, movie history, like try mm-hmm. to see the light, how the lighting works, how the like editing works, how, I don't know, the compositions are and all that. So, I mean, uh, how similar do you think they are? I mean, they are similar. So I don't know. What was the question? <laughs> I think you got it. <laughs> <laughs> um, the differences and the similarities are like really interesting. I think the biggest difference for me is simply just like like the physical action of making a film and working with actors and working with like so mm-hmm. many different people in real time i think that was like the thing that was just so for me it was very energizing about live action is like you have to wake up you have to wake up at like five in the morning you have oh, to like depend <laughs> or you have to wake up at like 7 p.m to be there all night and like everyone's there and things don't go the way you wanted but the the thing is like the end result hopefully is like what you wanted. But I think, I think depending on how much control you have, AKA money, you know, Mm -hmm. in live action, you just kind of have to like figure stuff out in real time. Even if you planned it, like my short film that I did, Mm -hmm. I pre produced, like I, I put together, I put together storyboards for that. Um, I got actors and my cinematographer and we, I like, personally rented the hotel room we were shooting in before we Mm -hmm. uh got it and i shot the movie as much as i thought and figured out how to shoot the movie beforehand trying to like emulate what i would do in animation right so in animation you Mm -hmm. you basically put the film together before you put the film together you storyboard it so that you know exactly how it's going to cut what the acting looks like how it feels and in live action a thing that i noticed is that people will like have a general shot list And then they'll Uh, shoot it from different angles and they'll have like a general plan like in their head, but they then figure out what it looks like in the edit. Ah, okay. Okay. So they have like basically have um, a few um, shots from different angle um, and and then everything's, they put together everything in the editing. So yeah. Okay. Got it. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. um, the thing about animation that I think is so great though, is that you can control everything and you can do as much as you are capable of doing so like exactly yeah yeah like if you want like sponge creatures made of chocolate on on planet mars (laughs) who fall in love with you know a star that could be a short film that could be a feature it could be whatever like you can you can make that but like it is expensive if you want to do it like But if you just want to draw it out and you're like, I'm in my house, like you could do that. But like, if I wanted to do that in live action, I couldn't do that. I just couldn't do it. And then also like my short film is two people in a hotel room. And that costs us like $60,000 just to shoot that. And it's two people in a room. Like, so that to me was like this fascinating 
discovery of like going from being able to do anything I wanted in animation, like it's just whatever you could draw. Um, yeah, exactly. To like, well, Portland, we can't do this shot because there's a wall here. So like, what do you propose that we do? And I'm like, ah, oh, we can't remove walls. <laughs> and the ceiling is too low so we can't get this down shot so like it just like the physical elements got in the way of things I wanted to do and it was really it was really challenging <laughs> yeah challenging it was really challenging so yeah yeah it's yeah. interesting because yeah I mean as you mentioned like when you're doing things on your own and you're just with your like computer or pencil and paper you can redraw things and you can just delete them and just do as much as you want as you mentioned but with like shooting you are in charge of like um organizing and um working with other people so you can't ask them to do one thing like 20 times so you kind of have to also <laughs> try to get the shot with like i don't know at least like how, how how many shots do they normally get like maybe maximum 10 so, i don't know the other really interesting on that on that note like the other really interesting thing about animation versus like live action is that you have a limited amount of shots that you can have so you have to be very yeah. economical with them and that means that you have to like really think about like the blocking of your characters and like mm -hmm. where you set up the camera and that will affect your day if like if your cinematographer has lit like all the lighting equipment's on the right side of the room so that we can shoot so we can light the left side of the room so the camera has to stay here and if we want to go over here like if we want to uh if we want to uh you know flip to the other side of the room and film the other side of the room we yeah. then have to break everything down and, and and so like the average like people would range in like 14 to 30 setups so like shot mm. setups a day typically it's like still around like 14 maybe 20 25 30 is already a lot but like uh -huh. that means that you have a lot and that's not just in one scene that could be like over the course of three scenes you're shooting three scenes so maybe there's like five maybe six setups for each scene in animation you can just and i have my students and they're like cutting here and they're cutting here and they have this shot they have a different <laughs> shot and I see. and i'm just like oh because you can you do like you don't have any of these restrictions <laughs> placed on you so you just and i think that's the funny thing about animation is that that's why i think animators should really study like live action camera work because mm -hmm. the fact that they're limited in how many setups they can do makes it so that they're very purposeful with where they place the camera how they're cutting from like setup to setup um mm -hmm. and how they're creating like visual rhythm and tension through like what's provided for them as opposed to like every shot's a different shot because i can you know <laughs> i see i see and yeah. sometimes it can be clumsy like if you don't know what shot to use or go from i don't know high angle to low angle and eye level and blah 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 so it should be i mean it, it doesn't work, I guess. So yeah, I think knowing the limits is kind of essential uh, in a way to know how to uh, being concise in telling stories. Yeah. Am I right? Absolutely. Oh my god. So um, get back to your again animation work because you um, uh, made. I mean, you you just mentioned that you also love character designing because it's fun. I really love to mention that I love your work because it's so real and it's so you. So bravo on that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah and I really love that you um, you, you draw. I mean, most of your, even your movie and uh, even your animations, I mean, whatever you're trying to tell the story about is mostly women, as I uh, realize. So, uh, but what I really love is that you keep human body <laughs> real. So, and you have a lot of like a variety of uh, different people and all that in your uh, work, whether it's a character design or in your um, movies, as I've seen. So um, I want to know how important is it to have this kind like spreading this body positivity because and not having like typical cliche sort of characters i mean i'm really glad that uh, these days i mean uh, animation is going towards that that people are realizing more that there should be more um a variety of characters and raising different voices in the industry which is beautiful but um i want to know like how important is this for you to spreading this message of body positivity and uh, i mean 
yeah, this message to women mostly. Yeah, and men. Yeah, men <laughs> too. I, I, I don't know when it started. I think I've always drawn people that I felt looked normal. Like I remember I even grow like even being in school and everything's very saturated with animation art. Mm-hmm. And you'd see what was very popular, and it was all very well done. And but I just noticed that there was this like. Like, everyone wanted to draw cute girls. And everyone still draws cute girls, but, like, yeah. a very specific type of cute girl. Yeah. And I was just kind of, like, over it. Like, mm. I was like, why is everything looking... Everything looks the same. Everyone yeah. looks the same. Everyone's white. Everyone is, like, a girl with their eyes closed. And it's just, like, a beautiful eyelash. And, like, I get it. It's pretty. It's appealing. Put it on a postcard. Put it on my wall. Like, it's great. But, like, <laughs> I just wasn't interested in, in drawing that. And I felt like I, when I was, you know, I went, in high school, I did a lot of illustration work. And the transition to drawing and animation was actually kind of, like, the style of animation and having an animatable mm-hmm. way of drawing was uh actually like a huge undertaking for me and I almost like quit because I I just wasn't able to do it and Mm -hmm. one of the ways that I was like practicing was like well I gotta draw what's like out there and I would just draw like cute eyelash girls who just like their their eyes are closed and they're sexy and whatever and that's when I was like I don't want to I don't really want to do this and then when I um this is really funny um when I was at Paramount as a character designer I uh started working out a lot and I was like like I was an overweight kid and I like some of the weight that I had as a kid kind of like followed me into adulthood and I was like I'm gonna lose this weight from my childhood <laughs> and I would go just, away baby fat <laughs> yeah I was like it's, I'm because my mom was like this beautiful dancer who would like she would like body shame me and I was like I'm gonna do it but like in doing so I like also felt I would like draw myself working out and I would like draw myself in a way that uh, I felt like even when I was losing weight, like the way that I felt, I still felt big and I still felt yeah. like not even, oh, thank, thank you. Um, I still felt big and I, and, and then in, in a way, the way I was drawing myself, I was able to, um, you, you just kind of, um, I, I just felt like, like a diary for yourself to just capture yourself the way you felt you are at that yeah. moment. Right. Exactly. And I think the bigness was a way of me, like when I drew myself big, it was like, I feel insecure. I'm a big, like. I take up space type of, or, or I would even do like, I'm big, I take up space, I'm cool. Like it was like this interesting kind of tool and how I drew me that was really kind of like empowering, I guess. And mm-hmm. people would be like, you don't look like this. I'm like, but this is how I feel. And then I just kind of fell in love with drawing curves and I fell in love with mm-hmm. drawing like women who had curves I, I haven't drawn a man with curves, but like that, that could be, it, it's just more fun to draw women. Uh, I <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I actually was like working with um, a coworker after he left, he was like writing like a short stories about like sexy women. And I like opted to illustrate them. And I just got like really into pinup art. And I was like, I want to draw like, like curvy people. And I, I am from a mixed background and yeah. I'm, And all of my friends come from so many places and I just felt like it was so weird that everything that people drew was like, like, even my friends who were like Asian would draw white people. And they Mm. were like, I remember having a friend where he's like, my default is just to draw a white person. Mm -hmm. And I, I always like am constantly being like, okay, drawing a white person is just like something anyone would do, which is like fine, whatever. But like, I want to draw like... A black like like being half black I'm like well no one's really drawing that many black people why so I would like yeah draw more black people or you know like you have like few 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 uh, sketches of Persian women as well so I I yeah. see a lot of like variety of like people in color people from uh, I mean curvy people different body shapes and I, I, I'm, I'm telling you it just is, it's so you and I just can feel that it's just something that come naturally to you like you're not like a Hollywood movie that forced yourself <laughs> to put one one black people, one I don't know Asian, one gay or whatever. Yeah, I'm not, the there's place. not like there's there's definitely so, not like a laundry list. Like I gotta check off this one or that yeah. one. There was so actually just like, please people, you know. I, yeah. I, I could actually feel that uh, it's just something because again, 
um, you're you're coming from a mixed background. I think that's something that naturally comes to you because that's the that's the way. Yeah. I mean, as you actually said, because I, I just feel like you have a lot of like uh, drawings from life life drawings from um, going to coffee shops or restaurants or uh, I don't know around, about life that you just caricature people the way they are. So when I see your drawings, even though they're just so simple and quick, but I can imagine what kind of person they are, which is really nice. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, was, I was just gonna say, like, I actually had realized that I I don't know that many Persian people, and that's when um, this was like last year. I I drew some Persian women, and I was like, I feel like I need to draw more Persian women because I just feel like yeah. I don't see that many. Like, I have a I have a few like friends who are Middle Eastern, but they're not Persian. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. Um, and I only recently started like finding more Iranian, like just people in my life. And you know, you found me. I know. Like, <laughs> we I found, found each other. other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just been like really kind of like, like just going back to rediscovering like my Persian side. I'm like, I, I should, like, this is really beautiful. All these things are so beautiful. And like yeah. these people are beautiful. And I want to like, I want to also, you know, put them on a pedestal and 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 make art about that but you know what actually iran uh has different like geographical uh, uh what do you say weathers and i mean the situation so uh, if you want to like again when you see like different iranians uh, i mean the northern part are really different from um um like central and then different oh from- really yeah, yeah, like we, we do have different um, uh, complexions, like uh, some people are so, um, they're, they're more like, I don't know, some, some of them looks like uh, really blonde and some of them yeah. are so like dark dark, uh, dark brown and then you have a bit like uh, somehow Afro-Iranian, so really? it's really like, yeah, it's really like, yeah, there are a lot of varieties, so sometimes when, you, if you just see some people that are Persian, maybe you don't realize, because it's not necessarily like black hair, uh, black eyes, you know, so yeah, yeah, so yeah. Cool. It's good to know, I remember yeah. learning that uh, Iranians or Persians were like, like considered Caucasian, and I was just confused, and I guess it's because they're like, they're like yeah. Indo-Aryan, like just historically, and I was like, fascinating, they're like white Persian people, like it's just really, I know, like, it's, I mean, this is my least favorite question to answer in any sort of like forums that I have to feel like when oh I ask oh you about your ethnicity, you are like, I don't know what I am. I don't know if you should put like Asia, you should put like Middle East, you should put like white. I don't know what yeah. I am. Just leave me alone. I, I don't remember, care about colors. <laughs> exactly. I was like, I remember growing up, I had no idea. Like, I don't think anyone sat me down and really explained anything to me. And I used to just put myself as Polynesian. I just, I didn't know what they're like, like, or, or what was it? Oh my God. It was just looking back it's at it so now. I'm like, Oh no, that was just stuff. I just signed Polynesian. I don't know why. It's so confusing. Yeah, that's that's why. I, I mean, I really hate when when I mean this kind of um, uh, discriminations happen in the world because whatever, just we are just same. <laughs> Let it be. I don't care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I like, okay, sure. I guess I'm Caucasian. Or like yeah. my, when I, when I was at Paramount, like most there was a huge like population just in our on our film and the film next to us that was just like Asian women, and they were like Asian girls club and they would look at me and they'd be like you're technically asian <laughs> and i was like okay asian <laughs> yeah yeah it's very confusing i'm telling you like in, yeah. in in the forums i don't know what to feel and i'm like other i don't know yeah <laughs> yeah no absolutely yeah <laughs> only only human just leave me alone <laughs> Yes. So yeah, another thing I really want to bring that up is uh, the fact that you're also really um, um, an activist in again, um, uh, when the BLM happened, or also you're politically so active. And uh, what I really loved again is that you use your work to raise for charities for a good cause, which is actually so beautiful. So uh, um, I mean, I I think it's rather personal. I mean, artists obviously are free to do it or do not do it I don't know but 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 yeah but I really love the fact that uh, especially uh, when the BLM um, happened so you were really actually trying to raise more awareness about it and you know what 
me as a Iranian, a lot of things are going on in Iran and I'm pretty much aware of it. And it's so sad that a lot of times it doesn't get covered in the news and media. And like this kind of Middle East, I mean, Western media doesn't cover much about it. Or if, if they want to, they just cover the ugly part. So, yeah. uh, but, but but BLM was something that obviously it just become worldwide. And uh, I think um, it needs that sort of attention anyway. But um, I mean, I remember I tried to learn more about it because I was saying, why? We say like Black Lives Matter, all lives matter. So, but then I was like, oh, okay. Before I go and study and learn more about it, and then open your mouth and you can. <laughs> So um, yeah, and honestly, because I I I knew that I mean um, I really love I mean I'm telling you like humans from all around the world it really doesn't matter for me to see them as people of color or anything like that but um, then I understood why this uh, movement is important so then I tried to educate myself and learn about it so I want to know like how important is this for you to um, with the um, I mean the media that you have and obviously you have your own followers um, and people who love your work and how important it is to kind of um, have your art for a good cause so yeah yeah no that's super important I, I was also like I can't even t- take full credit I didn't even know that people could do auctions and I saw a lot of my other animation friends doing it and I was like mm-hmm. oh my god they were just they were just raising so much money and I was like wow this is I, I felt so helpless when it was happening and I, I felt like I, I wasn't able to leave my house because my roommate is you know uh, amino uh, compromised and I just wanted to participate I couldn't go to any of the protests and you know like Black Lives Matter is hugely important to me I I've even even like though no one would clock me like no one would recognize me as being you know half black or half Creole mm-hmm. or anything um, I have family members who you know are scared to call the police when they have like a simple issue that they need to call the police for because they're afraid that mm-hmm. something bad will happen to them like like gut-wrenchingly afraid and it's just so it's just so close for me in that regard and like it's important and I felt like if I could make art that could raise money to help then why not like I have enough Mm -hmm. followers if anyone just even donates like a hundred dollars it's something so I'm really I'm also really just glad that it worked like we raised mm-hmm. I think I say we like no it is we like the people who participated and like like bought the pieces it's, it is we like we raised like I think a thousand something and That's for like great. various like beautiful charities that um I was inspired to like link to because of like other friends and it's just it was just mm-hmm. really inspiring in general just to see everyone coming together and being able to like not only just like come together to help this movement but also come together to like like fill each other's lives with artwork you know like it it like does two things at one time so Mm -hmm. um i'm very i think that was one of the if if quarantine did anything and i if i (laughs) feel like i did anything during quarantine that mattered i feel like that was the only thing that really mattered was like being able to participate in that yeah that's beautiful and well done and i'm glad that you were able to take part in such movements so well done so yeah as i mentioned it's so beautiful (laughs) that you did that and um again talking about like you being able to uh, tell a lot of like beautiful stories with your art and for good causes um, you also made an animation which I think is for is that your grad uh, called red-handed for your graduation uh, or yeah that was my senior year film yeah yeah, all right. So uh, first of all, clever choice of name. I really like it. And then um, I like love it just because uh, I mean, I people like I'm going to put the link to uh, Portland's Vimo and website so you can go and check it out. All her storyboards and her movies. So yeah, that's for you. Well, thank <laughs> so you. Call, yeah, caught red-handed. I love the name, firstly. And then I think, um, again, as I mentioned, you love to talk about women a lot. Uh, but 
in particular, I really, really love this one because you um, talk about something really like, um, actually in my culture, talking about period and women's stuff is kind of taboo, but <laughs> I love that you bring the uh, up because I, I feel like that's so scary for a lot of like teenagers and I found your animation so educational. And, I, and when I was watching it, actually, I was thinking with myself that we do need animations like this more um, to for just people to see and be comfortable about their body and uh, it's just a, like a simple biology so <laughs> let's face it people so, yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah so can you tell me about that like the the how what made you think about like I mean uh, talking about it because I find it really inspiring especially for young girls and I just feel like if you show this animation in schools that could be even educational and they can help really I mean I mean um, the animation itself to be honest was so uh, simple like there was not like much animating but again because your focus is mostly on the storytelling so I could feel that like with few frames you could just tell your story and that was it so yeah tell me about it oh thank you first of all Thank you. Um, yeah. It's actually based on a real thing that happened to me. Uh, All right. <laughs> uh, I um, when I was like twelve, I got my period. It was like it's not exactly the, the same. I used to steal. I was a really bad kid. It's still from this grocery uh -oh. store, and um, I also got my period. And one day, and I, I was really embarrassed by it. And I just, I, I my whole life. Like, as a child, I was just mortified of the concept of growing up. Um, I remember being four and, like, realizing that it would it was inevitable. And yet I was still, like, embarrassed by, like, body things. I was embarrassed about being a woman. I was, a, I was, I was embarrassed by, like, having, like, female parts. <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah. and um, you know... The period was this like this um, symbol of like you have cro you have like crossed the boundary from childhood to adulthood and mm -hmm. like once this happens you are no longer a child and I just I didn't tell my mom about it I didn't tell anyone about it I Yay. got yeah I, like I just didn't tell anyone okay I I, I I just was so embarrassed by it for no reason no reason at all and I used to steal candy from the grocery store and then I was like well what's adding some tampons here and I didn't even know that like you're technically not supposed to use tampons as like a young uh, person so I like yeah. did, like I, I wasn't educated I, I I didn't know anything like even even in videos at school they just kind of like teach you they teach you what happens they don't teach you how to deal with it they're like mm. this is gonna happen okay what do I do like so I it was one of the stories that I always like to tell people because I thought it was really funny. And what happened was I got caught and they took me to the back and they banned me from the store. And like, there was no, there was no like clerk that was really nice to me. Like they were really mean. Uh... And um, the story I developed, I actually developed it when I did the Pixar internship. And one of my mentors actually had the idea of like, like the ending should be that the lady gives her the tampons and says like, it happens to everybody. And I was like, you're right. Like, this is what I wish had happened. This is what people should do. And so <laughs> yeah. I, I yeah, changed I that ending. And I felt like the funny thing is I never made it thinking that it was like making any like big statement or like, like mm. any kind of like feminist thing. I just, I just feel like those are stories and like I just think it's yeah. silly that they're that people don't tell them because they're actually really entertaining and super funny and really interesting and mm -hmm. I feel like I found a gold mine in terms of just like female experiences <laughs> where it's like the female experience is just as viable as like a source of you know like inspiration and storytelling and like entertainment as like I don't know doing anything and there's so many films that are the same about guys doing literally anything especially gross stuff yeah so I don't know it was it was funny people told me I was brave for making it I was like I don't know why I'm brave but okay yeah Thank I you. think I think it's because uh, as you said at first level it just was based on a true story so you really felt connected and you just felt like you're telling your own story so maybe for you it was just a simple story <laughs> but yeah I, I also found it inspiring because I just felt like this sort of like ed education I mean I know that the purpose of your animation wasn't specifically like I want to educate people but, no, but it's you know cool that it does. Yeah. Like <laughs> because when, when I watched it I just felt like 
uh, this sort of stories should be told more often because I I could relate and I was like yeah why why nobody just teaches properly like as you mentioned like even in school you know about like biology and stuff but and and when it happens in real life and you you face it finally you're like I don't know what to do with my life now yeah yeah, yeah. No, so so real. Like so, and I, I I think also I was also raised in a house. Like I think it's I have a lot of female friends, and I think it's really interesting to hear how they feel about like telling female stories or how they feel about just like taking mm-hmm. up space as a woman. And mm-hmm. like I was raised in a house with just my mom, and my mom is like my mom's one of sixteen, but it's mostly girls. There's like nine of her siblings, nine of them are women. It was a very matriarchal home so like Mm -hmm. until I was 20 I didn't know we lived in a patriarchy like I didn't know that this was a male dominated planet (laughs) so like so I I didn't really actually know that these kinds of stories were I realized I didn't see them but I didn't know that there was like something more to it you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. that women's stories I thought people were just being stupid by not telling them. I didn't know that people were like actively not giving women the opportunity to tell these stories. And then when I realized that, I was like, well, I'm going to tell them because like, like I have no shame in telling yeah. these stories i've got to thank you for that because you know it's not only about like when 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 we talk about like uh, female stories or like i don't know like female stuff it's really important for men to know that because um, they have to kind of deal with that as well because it's a cycle that we go through and if they're kind of realize how it works they can understand us better and we can understand them better and the world would be definitely a better place and with less fights you know <laughs> For real. I, I remember I had a yeah. friend. He would, when we were in school, he would um, replace my desktop. Like if you left your, your computer for to go to the restroom or something, um, like a, a prank people would play on each other was that they would change each other's desktop backgrounds to something disgusting, like gory uh... or sexual or whatever. And you'd come back and then you'd like work and then you'd shut down your computer and there'd be like porn on your desktop. <laughs> and... So to get him back, I had a picture. I, I like made his desktop background the image of a woman giving birth to a child. I and see. and he was so disgusted by it. And he he'd made my desktop like the grossest things. And he was like, ha ha ha. And I made his just like the beauty of life. That's how you came from, man. <laughs> and he and he was like, I think I'm going to throw up. Like he, he like physically got sick and had to leave the room. And I just remember thinking, this is how you exist. You should know more about this. This is where you came from, actually. (laughs) This is like how you, how, how have you gone your whole life? Like being able to find this disgusting when it's literally how at most people, I'm C-section. So, but like how Mm -hmm. most people like enter this world. And I, I just think there's such a disconnect I think especially for men and like what goes on with women and women know everything about what goes on with men. Yeah, yeah. That's that's why I actually wanted to um, bring that up as well, because I just felt like for all my listeners, please just uh, try to educate yourself. I mean, it's nothing, <laughs> any, anything disgusting about it. So, yeah. Um, and um, yeah. So, again, well done for making that and we need more. <laughs> and uh, shall we? Go back to your movie, just you. Okay, okay, guys, here's the good part. Carlin <laughs> Rosemary got nominated for Amy Awards and also BAFTA, right? Both? Yeah, so we 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 actually won the student Emmy. I can I technically Woo! have to call it ooh, thank you. Uh, I technically have to call it the College Television Award, but it's really the student Emmys. And then we were shortlisted for the for the, I am gonna say the student BAFTA, which was really cool and actually has like led to a lot of like really like awesome things. Like they still are like giving us a, a lot of really great opportunities. So yeah, the film has gone to like some pretty cool places. 
Yeah, so congratulations on that. And uh, now just you, you kind of like uh, mentioned here and there the challenges that you have uh, while making a movie and how different it was from animation and all that. But again, uh, I mean, I just uh, was able to see a bit of the movie, like the opening and uh, some parts of it. Uh, but from like what I've um, saw, there, there was actually one video on YouTube that um, was your the reaction towards your movie. So. Oh. There was so many good, <laughs> yeah. So there was actually really good comments about it. That the fact that the um, couple were really cool and the chemistry was great and it was so hilarious and funny. And um, the actually the short that you made was a comedy. So and it's about yeah. a couple who wants to. Um, I mean, the guy wants to propose in a. I don't know how how you say it. I mean, do you want to tell about the story and all the inspiration and everything? Or yeah, yeah. yeah, you, yeah. You, you go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so it's uh, it's a short film about um, a couple goes, they go to a friend's wedding, and it's like a beautiful wedding. And the the guy's name is Alex, the girl's name is Christine, and Christine realizes that Alex has something in mind. And she can tell mm -hmm. that he wants to get married. But she doesn't quite know if he has a ring, which he does. So his intention is to propose to her in their hotel room after the wedding. Her intention is to not do that so he puts her he puts her in a really difficult position when he does propose to her and he gives her an ultimatum which is um either we get married or we break up and <laughs> comedy ensues so like the the whole inspiration for that was actually based on a few things when i was like working at paramount i a lot of my friends that were from CalArts were still in school and a lot of my coworkers were not really like social butterflies. So like we'd hang out mm -hmm. at work and, and or they would they had families or they were older. And so I just go home and I'd be alone. And uh, I was just really alone. And I like overheard, I could overhear my really loud neighbors having arguments and sex and like yell mm -hmm. at each other. And it was just mm. crystal clear. And they were the worst people that I've ever, <laughs> they're horrible people. And I just remember it'd be like three in the morning and they were having sex. And then after they had like loud earth shattering sex, they would then go into having the most obnoxious, petty argument about earrings. And it was very obvious that she wow. was cheating on him. It was very obvious that he didn't respect her. And a lot of like details in the film are actually based on like, like she was a intern. <laughs> like she was a 30 year old intern and he was a 25 year old doctor. Like it just really, it was just really sad. And all I could think of was like, like, why are they still together? They're yeah. obviously unhappy and they hate each other. But like, I, I think the only thing keeping them from breaking up is sex. And also mm -hmm. like the fact that they're probably more scared of being alone, which is what I was feeling. I was so, so lonely that like, mm -hmm. they're probably more scared of being alone than they are of just being upset together. So I had this idea when I wanted to apply to AFI and it was about a couple that comes home. Uh, they come to their, their apartment after a party and uh, it was inspired by, I just watched Who's Afraid of G Virginia Woolf. And um, it was going to be kind of like a play. And it would just be about them arguing or having a discussion about the friends of theirs who they don't think should be together. But really, they're talking about themselves. And then eventually they would break up. Mm -hmm. But then they wouldn't break up. And it was just like this whole idea. And then when I actually, I, I never made it to get into AFI. But when I got into AFI, I pitched it. And I decided to change some things to make it clearer what I was trying mm -hmm. to express. And I made it a wedding. And it worked really well. And I was just really, really happy with it. And then also, like, the arguments were inspired. Like, I live with my roommate. And we're basically, like, a married couple. But we're, <laughs> we're, two, we're two, like, heterosexual women who are not attracted <laughs> to each other. But we're basically married. And um, we, 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 like, had gotten into a few arguments. And, like, it was just really inspiring. I was just like, this back and forth is really energetic. And I, like, put it in the film. So, yeah. yeah. So that's kind of, like, how the film came to be and, and everything. And, yeah. And comedy is just something that I... I think I just naturally like, I think I've just accepted it now that it's the thing that I should do. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. Actually, what what I love that whoever I talk with when when um, they're just telling about their ideas, everyone's just far from their own experiences and their own uh, way of like, um, seeing things and all that and I just think that's what makes uh, them unique and, and it's just same with you like you kind of combine 
uh, a, I mean, you you uh, get this idea from your neighbors and mix it up with your roommate and just create some new characters that work well in a uh, comedy short, and which is really fun, I guess. And uh, actually, I've uh, I think in one of your interviews that you mentioned, you you were also <laughs> transcripting this uh, dialogues even like it, it, because the the oh, yeah. that live next to you, they were just so uh, I mean their argues were so childish and funny that you just felt like that if they could be just like dialogues. I mean, <laughs> hilarious. I, so yeah. yeah, I literally would be in uh, like meetings with my my team, and I would bring my journal that I had that year, and I, I yeah, I just I had transcribed like like you don't love me because I'm a 30 year old intern. He's like, yeah, <laughs> I'm a 30 year old intern. And like in like parentheses, like she sings this like she's a child. And like I, I tried to get it in there, but it didn't work out. But yeah, yeah, I did. I transcribed what they said. Yeah, but it's really funny because I, I sort of love to, um, I, I don't know when like I'm in a um, boss or anything, when people speak loudly on the phone or something, I love to kind of eavesdrop them you know oh yeah it's just like so funny to just get some crazy ideas and you know like when you can like imagine people i mean obviously you have have you seen the neighbors i don't think so right so So have you have you seen your neighbors or you were just trying to imagine them moved away they actually i was in a different apartment unit i was actually down the hall living in a one I live in a two bedroom now, but I was living in a one bedroom and they were next door and I never filed a noise complaint about them because I was afraid they'd retaliate. They seemed crazy. And, but I would like knock on the door, like like on the wall between us, I'd be like, it's three. Like I would just like knock and they would knock back to be like, F you. Like, Oh wow! And then um, they they moved away and filed a noise complaint about me when they were gone. You're horrible people. And guess who in the BAFTA and Amy now? <laughs> yeah. I, I'm probably going to be a 30-year-old intern, like, next year. It's okay. It's going to be fine. It's okay. Look look who's got the awards in her house. Yeah, yeah. It's me. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Belton, that's so cool. Um, Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I wanted to ask something else again. Um, um, in, even in, in this movie, I really love that uh, you touched about the subject like marriage and uh, like, again, uh, relationships that doesn't work and all that, which is so, um, I, I don't know. I think that's an issue, again, that probably a lot of women have. Also men, but again, because we're women, we're just, I, I, I can only talk about my own experiences. So, yeah. yeah. So tell me what's next and um, do you now you work in Netflix as a storyboard artist, but I would like to know now that you experience both words, live action and animation, do you have any plans to continue one or another or do you like have any like dream project to work on or as you said, you would love to create your own movies. So do you, I mean, how do you see your future as a director? So right now I'm working in animation and I'm not saying that I don't want to work in animation, but I think I want to focus more on live action. Um, mm-hmm. All of the projects that I have that I'm developing are, are live action oriented. Oh, okay. Um, so right now I'm, I'm writing a feature and... Um, wow, a feature. Yeah. But I'm just, I'm writing it for, like, I'm writing it. No one's paying me to write it. I'm writing it. And um, I'm also developing a short film, hopefully, to make next year. But, yeah, I'm just trying to write and, like, develop stuff. I'm also pitching at places. But, like, I think the whole thing is hopefully just to direct stuff that I write. Um, That would be the the goal. And then, um, you know, I think television... I think like I'm reading I'm writing a feature but I think television for me is actually like the biggest beacon of like like hope in terms of storytelling I feel like like mm. the, my favorite things to watch is television right now and oh, okay yeah like the way that uh, you can tell basically a feature, but like with the character development of a show and like a mini series or a limited series on like any of these platforms is just so amazing. So I've also like written a pilot for an idea that I want to do, and I, who knows? Like I'm just I'm just trying to make stuff, and then hopefully mm. someone pays me to make stuff. 
Yeah, so I, I assume just like uh, later trying to find a good place to pitch them and hopefully get the funds and everything for it could be a challenge, right? Yeah, yeah. And and it I think it's most likely a challenge, but I think the challenge is also like continuing to keep making things and keep pitching things even when people are like, uh, but so far I've, I've got a lot of like positive feedback from people on just like projects yeah. and stuff. So I think it's all about like seeing how that works out, how the pandemic plays into that. Because who knows, like working animation right now, especially is such a blessing because I still get yeah. to be creative as a filmmaker. Like I'm, I'm not the director, obviously, but like I still get to like exercise the skills as a story mm -hmm. artist. And, you know, not a lot of my friends are able to because of the pandemic, because they're in live action. And so it's really a yeah. it's really a kind of like lucky break to be able to participate in film during this time. Yeah, I've, I've heard that from so many uh, uh, friends and people in the industry as well, which is actually very, uh, I mean, the blessing of our job is that we are able to just sit at home and just still work from home at our computers and stuff so which is cool so yeah um and i really do hope i mean obviously with your first short and um, a movie i mean live action movie you were pretty much successful and uh again congratulate you for that and i really am looking forward to see more real funny stories and genuine comedy or anything like that from you and yeah never stop making girl oh thank you yeah <laughs> all right so um i guess that's it and would you like to anything else to add or to tell the who whoever is listening or i don't know anything that you want to add um yeah. thank you for listening to this podcast and that's for so formal oh my god okay out with us i've never been on a podcast before so this is really special for me um yeah. hope you're having a good day all right thank you so much for <laughs> just making this it's not a radio station in i don't know so you can just be more open and just be more chilled about it and just inspire people to go chase your dreams be real be oh, i can genius. say that if you want to be like go chase your dreams you got it you i believe in yourself and just follow tell yeah, stories yeah. that you want to tell and tells um oh god now it's actually serious um yeah i think <laughs> if i was to give any advice just tell stories that you want to see like like that you'd want to hear, you know, or that, or draw things that you'd want to see, you know, like don't draw what you think other people want, uh, because, uh, they're not gonna, they're, they're probably not going to want it if it's something that you don't want, you know? Yeah. So, um, it's something that is already existed. So people have done it before. So try to just, I guess, be yourself and talk with your heart. Yeah. Um, but like also like, you can do things that other people have done before, but just do it the way that you would do it. Like, like mm. there's so many movies that are like basically the same, but because they like the filmmakers or artists came at it from like their own perspective, it's unique and interesting. And that's, I think that's the thing is that like, I actually, I actually um, preach against like trying to be, don't try to be original, just be yourself because you are technically mm -hmm. original. Like, you know, like I, I like to tell stories about being, you know, mixed or, you know, like my mom was in a wheelchair. So I tell stories that include like moms in wheelchairs and like mm -hmm. that in inevitably somehow makes me seem fascinating. And I'm like, I guess so. It's just my life. So, you know, do things that are like specific to you and, and, and if that still like lives in a rom-com box, like, oh, it's a rom-com, but with Iranian people <laughs> in uh, New York, already an idea I've never seen before. So, like, look at that. Cool, yeah, I see. Actually, I didn't know that, that your other movies inspired by your um, life story as well. So again, everyone i'll put the link to Pearlene's um website and also wemo so you guys can go and check out her work and again thank you so much for lynn for being on this podcast and it was a pleasure talking with you oh same same uh so nice being here thank you for having me thank you so much everyone for listening to this podcast i really do hope that you enjoy this episode and it was really interesting to hear about both words animation and also live action movies until next year
Don't worry, it will be only in a few days. I'll see you very soon. Take care and happy new year to all of you. Thank you.